Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale here. This is the Midtown Madness podcast. Pete, uh, this week was a it, it got a little more stressful than it needed to be, uh, especially during the VCU game. But the Billikens got the results they needed. Uh, unfortunately, Richmond didn't do their part, and uh, I didn't have to eat a large spicy pepperoni pizza. You didn't, and. Uh... Maybe, maybe for the people who missed that that little Twitter exchange, maybe you want to fill them in on what that is in reference to. Okay, so essentially, I have had the Pizza Hut spicy lovers pepperoni pizza living rent free in my head since uh, uh, what's it, uh, what's his name? Who's the the guy? Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson's commercial on uh, uh, on TV. I think it was the Super Bowl commercials when they dropped it. So it's been living rent free in my head since then. I, I love, I, I like pizza, but I love like crushed red pepper on pizza. Like I will, I will pile it on like I did today. I had a pizza today uh, and I piled on the crushed red pepper. Um, but so my, my idea was like, I want to eat this pizza, but I want to have a, an excuse to. So I said, if the Billikens get the double buy, which needed Richmond win and a Billiken win, I would eat a large spicy pepperoni pizza and and it was requested by a couple people to stream it live. I was happy to do it because I'm a, I, I, in many ways, I'm a showman uh, or at least I, I consider myself to be like a person who just likes to do things for just the hell of it. And if people want to see it, whatever, that's fun. Um, I just like entertaining. Um, but yeah, so I did my, uh, my digestive system is very happy. Um, the, the only thing it had to deal with this weekend was, uh, was beer. So, uh, you know, it, it, it made it through. Um, but before we get going, uh, I, I definitely want to acknowledge, uh, the DPS officer who, uh, passed recently, Henry Owens. Um, I thought it was a very well done ceremony or at least a well-planned ceremony. Um, and, and, you know, having his family there was awesome and having all the DPS officers, um, coming out. It was very nice. Uh, do, were you, did they stream it at all or were, did you miss it? You know, if they did, I missed it, but I did see a lot of, you know, like coach Ford and a lot of other people, um, Earl, some, uh, some other people were rem doing little remembrances on Twitter, just kind of saying their little piece. And, um, yeah, I, I don't, didn't know him, but, uh, seemed like a really, uh, well-liked guy, well-respected guy. Um, within the community. So definitely uh, sorry to hear about his passing. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really great DPS officers that have come through that, that uh, the school, I mean, and, and the area. I mean, you got like, I'll just shout out names, Otten, uh, Sheets, all great guys. Uh, that's the ones I can think of right now off my head. Um, but they're just really, really good people. And of course, I have a special place in my heart for all of them for, making sure I don't get arrested or I didn't get arrested in college at games. So, um, you know, uh, much love to them. Also, um, I want to shout out Bob Ramsey. Um, the, just an amazing supporter of this show. Um, I, I can't thank him enough. He, you know, he, I, I've, I've, I've listened to him my whole life. You've listened to him for most of your life. I mean, probably all your life. I don't know when he started, but like, I mean, he is just an absolute legend, and to have him uh, impart any wisdom and, and any compliment towards us is just is is mind-boggling. So I, I definitely want to thank him for for all his support. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't Rammer and Earl recently have their like 30 year. Because so. if, if that's the case, then I have, I have no recollection of anything uh, before those two. So yeah, it really is. Um, you know, the only, the only voices I associate with, with slew hoops uh, uh, over the years, you know, listening to those broadcasts. So um, yeah, nothing but, but love and respect for, uh, for Rammer. And, and you and I, while we have an age gap of, five or six years i think but um we also you know we both grew up in a time where it was all radio on the road like for the most part on the road you had radio unless we were playing on espn so i mean most nights there was a billiken road game we were either watching the game tracker we were watching game trackers and listening to earl and, and rammer yeah, I think we take a lot of the streaming things for granted. Like that's very, very recently. You know, it's not that long ago where I have to think about like, oh uh, yeah, you know, before like the ESPN plus boom, I was, you know, bootlegging streams wherever I could out of whatever weird Eastern European like, host sites we could find them on. Uh, shout out to anybody on billikins.com who helped in that endeavor. And then, yeah, like radio and and not even game track. I mean, game trackers aren't all that... Uh, they, they were pretty raw before. I mean, we're talking about like refreshing box scores and stuff, man. Um, so yeah, the, the Earl and Rammer, those voices, man, have gotten me through a lot of, uh, a lot of road games over the year. You know, I, I even have like fond memories of like um, 10 years ago, this fall, my wife and I took like a three month road trip bef between, uh, you know, St. Louis before we moved back to Cincinnati for the last time. And uh, we were like, we were out in the mountains and like camping all over the country and there were nights where like I would have like an earbud in trying to get a signal on my phone and, and it, usually I could get some audio listening to Earl and Rammer you know under under the stars and stuff I, I I remember games like that man so um so yeah those those voices and and uh they've, they've just been doing such a good job for so long with it so it's always it's always flattering when you get compliments from the big guys yeah, I mean, he look, he and he 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 sat there and watched the game with me for four the baseball game for four innings. Anybody who can sit with me at a baseball game for four innings and chat with me is just is special in my book because it, it I mean, the fact that you can sit here for an hour and talk to me is is an absolute endurance trial on your part. <laughs> um but no, uh, no, he just is, is a, is a absolute gem to talk to and uh I just appreciate his friendship and his uh his mentorship in the way, in whatever way he offers his support. So, uh, definitely, um, definitely love Bob and, and, and Earl too. Uh, just, just wonderful human beings, uh, besides broadcasters. Um, one more thing, uh, before we get rolling, I just, you know, want to talk to you guys about wheelhouse bicycle shop and creep core, uh, whether you're looking for a triathlon bike, like I recently was, or your kid's first bike, uh, make Nathan Leventhal your first, uh, your first stop over at 770 North New Ballast Road in Creve Corps. Uh, you can also check him out online at wheelhousebicycle.com. He's, he runs that shop so, so well, and just is, is, is all about the customer. I mean, you know, he helped me find a bike and, and made sure that I got the right bike for me. And I didn't even buy it from him, honestly, uh, to be truthful. He just, he does, he's, he loves bikes. He loves cycling and, and he is, he, he is the pro, a pro's pro over there. So go check him out uh, and, and, you know, support the show and support him. Um, let's talk about the week that was Pete, um, an 80, 74 win at Rhode Island. Uh, I love any road win in the conference makes me happy, Pete. Um, and, and this, 
while we did have a double digit lead at one point and allowed it to, to close back in, it wasn't like we really did. We, we didn't lose the second half in this one. Yeah. I, any a 10 road win makes me happy is, is also true for me, but like, I, I wouldn't be upset if we kind of like, took some pressure off of me in the second half yes, <laughs> and just made it easy. Like just make it easy on your fans, you know, like just put a team away is something we just really haven't done much this year. Um, put a team away. And that was kind of the case here. Um, yeah. We did control most of the game. If you, if you want to say that you up six at half and, and uh, we wound up um, both putting up 41 in the second half. Um, so what I'm trying to think, how big did the lead get? Was it early in the second half? Maybe. Yeah, it was 15. I think I looked at, cause it's funny in doing the, the prep work. I was like, did we give up a big lead in this one? And I look back, I think it was 15 in the second half. Yeah. So we did um, to, to be perfectly fair. Uh, we, yeah. You know, <laughs> we did, we did give up a big lead, but um, you know, yeah, we, we, we closed it out. We got it done. Um, it's just, uh, it, it would have been nice to, <laughs> I, I remember thinking like, oh, wow, we, we really are, we're going to put them away in this one, aren't we? Um, and I'm, I'm trying to find the point where it was the widest margin. It looks like maybe like, here's a 58 to 43. I think that's it at, at the 1308 yep, mark. That's in the what second I was half. looking at. Yeah. So we're um, at that point, you know, plus nine in the half, uh, seven minutes in trending positively playing well. And you're thinking like, okay, all right, like we're we're really gonna we're really gonna run away with this one, and uh, of, of course that's not the not not the way it happened, unfortunately, but still got the win. The big story in this one, I think, it, it ended up being the quad nickel uh, for Yuri Collins, surprisingly, because there was there were a lot of really positive games in this one, big games for Billikens in this one. Um, but Yuri Collins kind of garners the headlines with the quad nickel, uh, 10 points, nine assists, five rebounds and, uh, five steals. And if you want to throw in the, the, the five nickel, he had five turnovers too. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Um, that's the, the point the, guard quintuple nickel, the, the nickel nickel, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just a, just a quarter. He had a quarter. Yeah, he had a quarter. Yes, I like that actually. That's great. Um, yeah, no, I mean, but like, there's so many good games in this one. Uh, Fred Thatch, 21 points on three of five shooting from three, eight of 17 from the field. Just an outstanding game to, and threw in 13 rebounds as well. Uh, Gibson Jimerson, is he back? Five of nine from three, 22 points. Jordan Nesbitt in this one played really well too, 50% from the field. Didn't make his three point attempt. But uh, I mean, he he chipped in two assists and didn't turn the ball over. Um, I I loved everything about this game from the Billikens, other than the fact that we gave up a lead at one point. Okoro too with nine and seven despite having four fouls. But I mean, and I think that was part of the the reason that lead kind of compressed a little bit is because both Okoro and Linson started getting in foul trouble in the second half. Um, you know, Linson, who's definitely leading the team in fouls per minute. Um, those, those guys were getting a ton of whistles in the second half that were not happening in the first. Um, it's funny, though, that you, you say that Collins, uh, you know, quarter, quintuple nickel, triple nickel, whatever, whatever was getting the attention at the time. 
I had not even really noticed it because um, because of Thatch putting up 21 and 13. Like that was the one really standing out to me along with Jimerson uh, really finding his shot. And I think with Jimerson, the, Rhode Island is, man, what a, uh, I, I would hate to be a Rhode Island fan with this team because there's so much talent on that team. Mm-hmm. Like I look at them and I'm like, man, they've got size. They've got talent at every position. They've got two guards who are really quick and talented. They've got those Mitchell twins who are just a load. Um, I, I really like their personnel. Um, and yet they have no purpose. They have no style. They have no um, cohesiveness. They do not play it as a unit at all. And that goes that that's true on both ends. And this is a really long-winded way of saying this is the first team in a while to kind of leave Jimerson alone a little bit on the perimeter. Um, and and they realize that you can't really do that because he's not only is he going to shoot, he's going to hit a lot of them too. And he goes five for nine in this one. Um, and it, yeah, it's been happening all year. Teams like uh, like Dayton and like um, like that, that Richmond a, f- a couple weeks ago who are just all over him and he's not getting anything um you know obviously he struggles he just doesn't get many attempts but then a a team like this that that blows assignments that's kind of lacks getting to the you know closing out on him um he feasts so like there you go I think Jimerson's season has been like that and I think the stepping stone for him next year the development uh goal should be how both both from for the coaches and for Jimerson should be how do we get more production out of him um, on, on against defenses that are a lot better than this. Yeah, I, I wonder, are we, and we can get into it in the VCU game because, um, you know, Gibson found himself pretty open in that game as well, but are we seeing the emergence of Fred Thatch starting to play a part in, in Jimerson, you know, getting more looks, you know, that the fact, what we thought we would see with Perkins in the lineup, you know, we thought Jimerson would get, would get a lot more opportunities to shoot uh, with Fred starting to heat up. It is, are they, are, are teams having to pick their poison at this point now? Maybe that's part of it. Um, I, I, and I was always kind of thinking that it would be Nesbitt by this point in the season, who would be that guy, um, you know, without Perkins, who's taking a little bit of the pressure off of Jimerson keeping defenses a little honest, spreading their resources a little bit thinner. Um, but it has been Fred uh, who in the past, you know, six weeks or so, who has emerged as that, that other guy um, on the perimeter who can, who can be productive uh, inside and out. Um, I don't know, maybe, I, I guess I have to go back and look at some of these games more closely to see if, if that's really what's happening. But I, I, I don't know. I think, I think teams are still doing that thing with Jimerson where they're kind of following him around until really these these last two not so much vcu more in the first half they they changed some things in the second half um but yeah that you know i i think i think that's really what it is i want to stick on fred here for a minute because fred thatch really is one of the most unique like we had jordan goodwin and he was incredibly unique player um i think fred thatch might be more unique in that as far as like what we've seen come through St. Louis University. Because there are times where I see flashes of Goodwin in him. There are times that I see flashes of Jet in him when he gets down the lane and uses his incredible strength to get to the hoop. 
Um, and then there's the finesse aspect to his game, his three-point shooting, a little bit of Mike McCall. Um, what do you see in him that just makes him so special? This is the version of Thatch that I saw at, at Sykeston, honestly, in high school, because he did everything for that team, and they were great. He was an awesome, awesome high school player. He was a, a really solid role player for Brad Beal Elite in AAU. Like just, um, I mean, they were an excellent team uh, when he was on. I mean, they they always are, but um, but on his Sykeston team, he just kind of did everything. And he actually had a quote. I don't know if it was after. I think it must have been after the Rhode Island game because I know it was recently, where he kind of said, "Like, look, this is what the coaching staff thought I could do. This is what I know I can do." Um, it's just taken me a lot longer to get here than any of us thought it would. So, so Fred is kind of, he's been very matter of fact about this sort of quote unquote emergence. He's kind of like the pieces have always been here. I'm just finally putting it together, whether that's been health, you know, earlier in his career um, or just think, kind of figuring out how he fits in it as his career has gone on. Um, but I love that from him going, this is just what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm, you know, sorry, I've been so, so late to get there. I think that's such a, a winning mentality. And I don't know why I would expect anything different. Cause every time that dude talks, I'm, I'm so impressed by him. Um, so that's kind of what I see is more, more what he did for his high school, where it's just kind of whatever you need, he just kind of does everything. And it's a little different in that um, role because, you know, he was the guy for that high school team. And that hasn't necessarily been the case at SLU, uh, but he's showing so many different facets of his game now. And it's so satisfying to watch, really. Yeah, I love it. Uh, he's quickly, again, I think this year has been a test of like who my favorite player is on this team mm. because every day it's somebody different and, and somebody, you know, there somebody does something that makes me fall in love with them like every day. Um, you know, in this, in Fred Thatch going downhill and doing his, his drives to the hoops are so, so unique. Like, I'm just saying, like, it's just his unique way of getting to the rim. There's so many, you know, jump stops and he just uses his strength. And then, you know, Gibson is just his relentless work ethic to get open and hit shots. Um, you know, Nesbitt and his unbelievable athleticism, um, you know, Linson and his, when he's on, Linson is incredibly, uh, you know, uh, what's the, uh, he's just. Efficient. Yes. Thank smart, you. Jesus, yeah, Mary yeah. and Joseph. Um, and then Collins, of course, is Pistol Pete Maravich reincarnated. Um, it, it's just, yeah, that was an exaggeration, guys. Give me a break. <laughs> um yeah, just there's all, and then Brandon Courtney makes a three, and we're gonna talk about that. That was off the charts. Um, yeah, this game. I mean, what are you gonna do? You go on the road, you win by six, you cover the spread, come home, good to go. I, I'm happy. I don't. Again, with the caveat, I wish we would have blown them out. Yeah, I, I wish that too. And for a while, it felt like we would, um, as we said. And then in the last twelve minutes or so of the second half, it got a little tighter. Uh, you know, a lot of calls that went our way for a while stopped going our way. Um, and we're going to talk about that in the next game. Yeah, they, you know, what college refs, man. They, um, I just, I do they have a meeting at halftime? Like, what? Well, they do. Know. I mean, yeah. literally. Well, they no, they yeah, in, yeah. They go into a locker room, the three of them, and, you know. What do you, like, yeah. could we get them, like, like, is there something we can change where, like, they can't talk at halftime? <laughs> three separate individual yeah, locker no, rooms? I mean, I, I, I 
I, I just don't know if facilities are built that way. No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I feel that, but like, I just feel like, like put them in like the the the, the quiz show booth with the headphones. Yes. On. Yeah, I'm like all, I'm all for that. Like, yeah, you could, like you Stemple could, or what was you name? Think about what you're gonna do, but don't you guys like trade notes here? Exactly. There's no reason to trade. Like I don't. I just think that you call the game the way you started it. Don't change anything. And and let's keep going. Like we don't don't, need... don't run them a stat sheet either. You know they print those stat sheets out. And Do they one. give them? Do they give them to the refs? I I'm almost certain they do. I mean they, they they must. You know, like how many times do you see fouls sort of regress to the mean over the course of uh, the you know the first ten minutes of the second half? They they must. By the way, uh, you mentioned stat sheet. One thing I learned uh, from Rammer, uh, his daughter actually. Uh, uh, is uh, the stat sheet person at the games. So shout oh, wow. out to her for putting in hard work under BK. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I hope BK isn't too, uh, too demanding. Uh, <laughs> now let's, uh, let's move on to VCU. Uh, I had a, a lot of fun in the first half of this game, much like uh, we had a lot of fun for the Richmond game in the first half. Um, th- this, I mean, uh, the start of this game was awesome. I can't, I don't, I, I don't know if I've seen a more um, just beautiful moment in the middle of a Billiken game. Like, eh, I don't know if I've seen a more beautiful moment in the first half of a Billiken game, just a moment, specific moment, uh, other than maybe the Conklin screen. Mm. Uh, but this Courtney, Brandon Courtney making a three. It, yeah. It, it, you can't write it up any better than that. That was amazing. I mean, I, I always, I love when coaches start all of the, the seniors, regardless of status. I, you know, I, I'm kind of like, you know, look, especially in a game like this, where our, our seed was not going to change regardless. We're not going to get an at-large bid. There's no harm in starting uh, Jones and Courtney in this one. Um, and, and Linson over Okoro. Uh, which actually wound up being a pretty good matchup. Yes, I thought I, it was great. Yeah, I was like, oh, this this is great. You started all the seniors, loved it. And so his three, which he, by the way, could not have done any better. I've watched like the replay multiple times now from multiple angles. And, uh, you know, the head fake, the dribble, the, the you know, it, it was a very Jimerson-esque. I was, uh, you, you were looking down. right in my eye. We were... <laughs> We were looking like we were both. We could see the wheels turning in our in our head. It was just what a what a lovely play. I mean, that's uh, you you couldn't yeah you couldn't have him do it any better than that. It was great. The bench went nuts. The crowd went nuts. Um, congrats to him. That was awesome. I was a little worried that a technical was going to be called. For, you don't o- over I, celebrating. I don't think you understand how far the bench came out. Yeah, I, I mean, the I bench came out them. to the free throw lane. I'm not sure that was caught uh, that much on the broadcast, but yeah. No, they came out like you can get a T for that for like yeah, like that was they were uh, they were under the basket I think at one point, um, but since he did start, I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out. He lost his man on the next possession and nearly let VCU hit a three. So Brandon Courtney work on that for, for the for the <laughs> NBA Combine. Um, you know, if you want to improve your draft stock, you better work on your defense. Um, now I mean, he's, he's an 80% career three point shooter. So he's got to be on somebody's radar. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, uh, the globe trotters might be looking. Yeah. Uh, always. 
congrats to Brandon Courtney. By the way, his his senior night, and what we can talk about it later. But that senior his senior night speech really. I mean, it. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of us who grew up Billiken fans, you know, there are people that you know, we we wanted to be a Billiken. We wanted mm-hmm. to play basketball. I, basketball was the first choice, and and a lot of us don't have. Most of us don't have that opportunity. So, um, a true big big time shout out to him for. Um, his senior night game and, and, and hitting that three point shot and just send that really set the tone, I think for the arena too. Um, if it's anybody else, I don't think that the, the arena blows the lid off like that. Like it was loud in there when he made it that shot. It's just, it's one of those things in, in uh, um, the college game that it, the, the walk on um, doing you know the walk on just coming in and doing something at the end of a game is only so special but to do it in the beginning of a game uh in a, in a really meaningful way on senior day and then honestly kind of set the tone for the half because he did you saw like the energy you saw the positivity you saw our guys really play loose in this half and go in up 17 at halftime i mean that's you know like i, I <laughs> it's it's kind of cheesy to say it but like kicking off that half with a walk-on three-pointer that everybody wanted to see is, I mean, that's got to be, that's got to mean something. Yeah. I mean, look, the Billikens could have filed right off the, off the hop and got Jimerson in. They could have, Mm -hmm. but, but Travis Ford trusted his guy. And, 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 you know, that speaks a lot to Travis Ford's character as, as a man, as a coach, as As a a mentor. coach. Yes, absolutely. He trusted, uh, you know, DeAndre Jones in there in the starting lineup. He trusted uh, Brandon Courtney, who, I mean, Courtney's a great player. Um, again, Utah, I, I don't remember who was, who where I was listening to it, but someone was talking about, you know, these walk-ons, like, oh, they were talking about IUPUI. I think I was listening to, uh, to Pick Central, Barstool Pick Central, and they are talking about IUPUI and how these guys had, you know, five years. The guys on IUPUI would run us up and down the court, it, it, like the JCC or the MAC. They dominate. Brandon Courtney's a really good player. Yeah, people forget that's not just some guy. He was an excellent high school player somewhere. Yeah, yeah. that's, I mean, which is the case with every walk-on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this was Martin Linson's best game in a month. I'm oh, just yeah. going to say it. Um, and I, I think we all can, attri- I think part of it can at least be contributed or attributed to his parents being in town and his brother and sister being in town. By the way, his sister is extremely tall. <laughs> she is a tall Blonde German, like, like I was looking, I was up in the top of section one ten, and looking down, I'm like, that girl's really tall. Like she's standing almost eye to eye with Linson. You know, and based on what I saw in that that video they showed when his parents walked into practice, you know, and he ran all the way across the baseline over there to give him some big hugs. Um, apparently, it's the first time they've been able to come see him play since he was at Valpo as a freshman. So that's that's awesome in and of itself. That's amazing. I know that's that's hard to do. Um, when you're, when your son is playing across an ocean during a, a global pandemic that lasts for two years. So, um, really special moment, but his parents did not seem all that tall, uh, from what I could tell. I mean, his dad seemed like a reasonably tall guy, but yeah, it's kind of funny that both their kids turned out that way. Um, but regardless, he, you're right. This was his best game in quite a while. He's had the big um, body bends is back. That's right. Yeah. He's had a tougher time than we expected kind of coming back, um, from injury, um, a little more slowly, 
Um, you know, he's always been a little foul prone and, and maybe even more foul prone when you're playing shorter minutes, getting some frustration fouls and things like that. It's really hard to kind of get um, a momentum in a game when you're not playing as much as you're used to. And um, was great to see him come out and really play well in this game. Rebound better than I've seen him maybe this calendar year, maybe this season. I mean, he really rebounded well. I know it's only six but that's in, in 19 minutes and his minutes, unfortunately were shortened because he went out early in the second half. Yeah. He put his body on the line in this one too. Yeah. He really put forth energy effort. The effort was on another level. The, the physicality was on another level. He just, he played with a little extra something in this one. He did. And when he went out to the locker room, um, what was, what was his nose? I'm trying to remember. Now. I think it was right it. above his eye. Yeah. Okay. So, so he had some blood. They had, they went to the locker room. Um, I guess he got stitched up a little bit, a little bit. And they said he couldn't come back into the game. Um, so I, I, at that point, I, I, and I think I tweeted this at the time. It was like, okay, so now our options are by this time, Okoro had four fouls. Cause he got two quick ones early in the second half or Traore who hasn't played in weeks. Um, so, so what do we do here? And we, we rolled with Okoro with four fouls and, uh, and luckily he stayed on four. Um, but it, but it was kind of an interesting, uh, situation to be in. <laughs> not, not one that I, I expected us to keep rolling with Linson, um, who in his 19 minutes only had one foul, which is something we haven't seen out of him in a while. Yeah. I, I really, I really loved this game from the big body bends. Uh, you know, and 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 the uh, the cut on the eye with the bandage makes for a great senior night picture, right? It does. Yeah, that's hardcore. I mean, especially if you can kind of get the right angle where he comes back out, you know, like like sweating, bleeding, bandaged, and maybe like his parents are kind of over his shoulder in the seats. You know, it's like it's very uh, yeah, it's very uh, poetic. So. Uh, anyway, man, good, good senior night for him. Glad his family was here to see it. Uh, Jimerson continues to play well, and and I posited the question that. You know, maybe the emergence of Fred Thatch uh, really uh, is taking a little heat off Jimerson uh, because Fred Thatch didn't have a great offensive game. Uh, tough shooting day, but he still found a lot of ways to impact the game, including uh, seven of eight from the line. And he really got to the hoop and made plays in this one, I thought. Uh, he had... I'm looking, he had four rebounds, not, not uh, unbelievable, but um, he still was forcing them to play defense, I think. Yeah. And he's always so solid defensively. It's the kind of game that we're more used to out of thatch than maybe the bigger number games that he's put up lately. This, this, you know, these, these double doubles that he's never had before that kind of stuff that we've been seeing out of him. His career has featured a lot of these games where maybe he's got like seven and four, or like in this one, nine and four. And, um, and it's, you know, kind of a quiet game, but then you just realize how rock solid he is at both ends. As far as Jimerson goes in this one, most of his production did come in the first half. Um, and I think the difference in the second half wasn't necessarily that VCU had a guy chasing him around, you know, tugging on his shirt or whatever, um, like we've seen from a lot of other teams. I think they just, the way that they ramped up their pressure on SLU in general in the second half made it harder to get Jimerson the ball. Um, he was open from time to time. Uh, maybe not quite like he was in the first half, but we just had a lot harder time moving the ball around in the second half. And I think that's where um, we kind of saw his production go down. I mean, he I don't think he got his first shot attempt in the second half until like 
12 to 15 minutes in it was it was much later in the half than um than you would have thought after scoring so much in the first half um you mentioned the vcu pressure and i want to call that out because the vcu pressure both befuddled the billikens and the billikens also took a lot of opportunity to torch the vcu pressure i mean i i think the biggest moment you can think of is the terrence hargrove dunk uh, you also had the, the time Nesbitt was bringing the ball up and he kind of slung the ball uh, and it went out of bounds. But you saw what he was looking at because it happened again with Hargrove, right? Mm-hmm. Hargrove was in that same position. So it appears that the Billikens knew that was available. That was part of the plan. Um, it wasn't just Nesbitt throwing an ill-advised pass. Um but it, it, I thought the Billikens, and, and I, I, when I talked to Rammer, he said that, that Travis, uh, you know, talked a lot about thinking that they could score on this VCU defense. And they certainly showed it in this one in, that, in how they found ways to dice up the pressure in a lot of ways. You know, seeing the fact that we haven't seen VCU until the last game of the season, and, um, you know, we didn't have, they were not one of our home and home opponents this year. Uh, we played them late. I have not seen them nearly as much as I normally would have by this point in the season. You know, like obviously we try and watch as much A-10 here and there as we can, but for whatever reason, their schedule has just not lined up with me being able to watch them much. In this game, and I don't know if this speaks to like what they do in general, their pressure, like, yeah, they play that Havoc style, whatever you want to call it. It's almost like they played it at like 70% in the first half. And then there were times in the second half, especially like kind of mid to late second half where they turned it up to like 90, you know, where, the, where they, they, would, they would cheat up a little bit more and really put more pressure on us. And, and we struggled with that more intense pressure, which does leave them more vulnerable if you could beat it. But the fact of the matter is we have a five foot, five foot 11 point guard um, who give, who's giving up size almost every game, and especially against this VCU team, which really does have some pretty good size um, at the one to three positions. Um, Yuri at times looked a little bit frozen by that higher degree of pressure. And, um, and even with DeAndre in alongside him, there were times where they, they were, you know, who's again, a small guard. They, they kind of struggled um, even if they could, even if it wasn't the speed, there were, there were angles, you know, like, like when you're, when you're giving up that much length, um, there were times where they would kind of uh, either get trapped or they would, you know, kind of lose an angle one-on-one with a guy. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know a, a team can't go full tilt for 40 minutes. Um, but, but when VCU did turn it up just a little bit more is I think when we saw kind of the worst of it and, and, and really their comeback. Yeah, we, you know, you talk about the comeback and what, and that's, this is, I really want to get into it and what is contri- allowing teams to come back in games that we, we get a big spread early on, you know, as we saw a little bit in, in, um, in the Rhode Island game. And we definitely saw it Richmond. Uh, but first I, I want to get into Jordan Nesbitt because ne- Nesbitt played a large part of that Rhode Island game. And then he gets lost in this one. Is this in, I'm wondering if this is intentional and just a matter of so many cooks in the kitchen that, you know, sometimes we don't need Nesbitt or 
What what is what's going on there? Do we think? I don't think it's that because we, you know, uh, as you have reminded people more than anyone else, we're without, you know, our preseason conference player of the year candidate wow. all season long, um, and we have not been playing Rashad Williams, who's another potential guard to have out there. Nesbit did not have the best first half. Didn't really do much. Um, I think he only played seven minutes and then didn't play at all in the second half. Do I have that, do I have that right? I don't remember seeing him in the second half. I, I don't either. Yeah, and I'm looking at the box score now, seven minutes in the game. Um, he hit two free throws and had a, 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 a uh, yeah, where is that? Yeah, he had a, a foul and a couple turnovers. Um, so yeah, not his best first half, but like, I, I, man, I don't know why he spends the whole second half on the bench. I don't know if, he did something at halftime if he got hurt I, I i have no idea but um i don't think it would have hurt us based on their their big comeback to have him out there in the second half you know i maybe it's not the best matchup for him as the first half showed but there have been a lot of times you you talk about him getting lost sometimes he's lost on the bench you know like i i'm trying to remember what other game that was where we blew a lead and it was kind of like, where's Nesbitt? I think that was another one that we wound up winning as well. And it, man, I, I, I can't remember who that was. Um, so there's that. I don't, I just don't know why he's not getting um, second half minutes in some of these games, but otherwise, you know, I, I still think we're kind of learning to, to just play with Nesbitt and he's a freshman. So there are, there's a fresh natural freshman learning curve. Um, but I do think, we do. He's got way too much talent not to get him more involved. Absolutely. I. I. Yeah. It's weird. It's. It's just weird. And. Yeah. I. I hope he. He finds his, his role, uh, especially going forward into next season, uh, yeah. because he, he's going to be. His athleticism is so useful, and his his ability to score it. Uh, he can score at three levels. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily the way Fred Thatch can, but. Uh, He's going to be needed, especially if uh, Perkins decides to move on. Um, yeah. But, but so what, what else do you see? Why like this? Cause clearly this is something that is happening in what feels like almost every other game that we're playing, you know, it, whether it's our losses or now, I mean, several games that we've won, we're just blowing leads. What, what else are you seeing that's happening here? You know, I don't know because I think I, I lose him too. Uh, because when he does something, I notice it. I notice when he does something really well, but yeah. I don't ever notice him doing not good things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I, but I mean, in general, why? Like, yeah, no, I think maybe losing. defensive effort. That seems to be the going rate to uh, to end up on the bench in the Travis Ford era. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to be, you know, that's that's always kind of been the thing. Like you don't play D, you don't you don't play. Uh, unless you're Gibson Jimerson or Scott Highmark. Uh, but, yeah, I don't really know. I, I wish I knew. Um, but I lose him, too. Uh, so I forgot about him during the second half. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know. I mean, it happens, uh, you know, when somebody's riding the bench like that. Do you think a lot of people seem to call out pace, mm -hmm. like slowing the ball down or not playing with the same pace? You know, I, there have been times where I've wondered about that. Um, Auburn comes to mind as one where we talked about maybe slowing it down a little too early in that one mm -hmm. uh, with the lead against a team like VCU. It's honestly not up to you that much though. You right. know, like you're either beating this, this pressure 
and scoring an open bucket because you, you've, you've beaten the pressure down the floor, or now you're stuck in their half court defense, which is a really solid half court defense. Um, but one thing I will say when we are playing in a half court set, um, I saw this a lot in, in, in really it, it was glaring in person at, at Richmond. We seem to pass up too frequently, in my opinion, the first good shot, right? Almost, almost like we're waiting for the perfect shot. We pass up good shots. And I don't think, I, I don't know. I, my, I'm of the philosophy that you take the first good shot you have. Right. And, and, and that's, and I think this team is almost a little too patient, too unselfish. Um, and, and they don't have enough of a killer's mentality. And that's really, that, I, maybe more than anywhere else, that's where Perkins comes into play. Because if, if you give that dude the ball and he has an inch to operate, he's going to shoot it. <laughs> and, and, and half the time he's going to make it. So um, so that, that's also where, where, where Perkins um, comes into play. We, we don't have him out there. Yeah, I thought we missed some good opportunities in that second half. I thought when we did, not when we didn't turn the ball over in the second half, I thought we did get good shots for the most part. Uh, there were some not good shots, uh, but I don't think that we weren't, we were, I don't think we were running bad offense. Uh, we just weren't making shots. I mean, if you look at points off turnovers, uh, it's pretty steady on both, on both halves, six in the first half for VCU. Um, and, uh, and five for, or five in the second half for VCU. So it's not like anything really changed. Um, unless I'm looking at that wrong. That's weird to me. I thought VCU had 20 points off turnover. Oh no. VCU only had 11 points off. Turnover. Wow. That's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so uh, you had it right. We, yeah. I mean, we, we did have 18 turnovers. Yeah. But is... to only, to only give up 11, that's right. fantastic. That's great. That's great recovery. That's great hustle uh, and, and good defense all the way around, uh, by the Billikens. I, I just, uh, you know, I think. Uh, like I said, nothing really changed in the second half. I, I'd love to see the turnover uh, by half, but I don't have it in front of me. Um, I would say it was probably worse in the second half. Um, oh, yeah. I just think, you know, we got good shots. We did. And and you did see a couple times where we did try to push it a little bit in the second half uh, in the midst of the slowdown. Jimerson took a wide open three in, in transition and, and missed it. Um, yeah, good shot, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think the the same people that are complaining about slowing it down are going to be mad that Gibson missed that shot. But that's a good shot. Yeah. No, and and honestly, I'm looking at uh we only had th 13 three-point attempts in the game. I don't recall, you know, out of those 13 and I'm looking at who shot what. I don't recall one that I didn't like. I mean, it, I, none know, of them were at the buzzer or anything. No, like I, I like, you know, I keep we no shot clock, no shot clock violations that I can recall. Right. At um, least not on a, yeah, not on a three or, right. or not like a, uh, not like a, we, we, we ran too much off. Like we just, we waited too long. We never, we never had a shot clock violation. We didn't really, I don't recall us playing very often for the for for the 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 end of the shot clock you know what i mean right i don't we yeah we got around you know the 12 second mark the five second mark but we never really tried to like run it all the way down and you you know yuri collins isolation and figure it out 
we never really did that. I, I thought, but I could be wrong. Uh, no, I, I feel like where Yuri got into trouble more, like, like we've seen him get into trouble in some games where he like, he's, he gets too deep into, mm -hmm. in, into the lane or whatever, and doesn't really have uh, an out in this one. Um, he did get caught up into trouble sometimes against that pressure, like further back, you know, closer to half court or whatever. Um, I thought that was a bigger factor here. Yeah, I think he gets caught up in bringing the ball up slow, and I wonder how much it's fatigue. Um, uh, uh, you know, and that's what I loved about the first half. You had a lot of, ne you know, they pointed out Nesbitt bringing the ball up. And by the way, that announcer's an idiot because, yeah, we actually did want Nesbitt to bring the ball up. Uh, yeah. And Nesbitt was not going to run the offense, you moron. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have not watched basketball before. Um, yeah, it's like, I wonder how much it's fatigue and trying to save energy, um, yeah. for it's kind of like, um, it, it, you know, there's a training principle, 80, 20 training. Um, if you, you know, you train it at, at a low intensity so that you're, you know, your 20% high intensity training, it, it's that much more impactful. Um, I wonder sometimes how much is, you know, uh, Yuri Collins saves his, his explosiveness so that at the times he is explosive. He's really explosive. Mm -hmm. uh, he really turns on that pace and that change of pace is that much more impactful on the defense. The defense isn't ready for it, I guess. Um, lulling him to sleep is another way I would, you know, uh, in sure. a way. Um, yeah. But I think, I just think that I, I want to see Yuri Collins uh, make more of an effort to bring the ball up quicker. Uh, get across the timeline quicker. Uh, yeah. I don't care if you hold the ball at the top of the lane or, you know, kind of run the weave a little bit. I really don't. Uh, if that's how you want to set it up, fine. Uh, but get it across the timeline, before, you yeah. know, within five, seven seconds and not eight, nine, ten seconds. Um, it, it's frustrating to me. I hate it. I hate not getting the ball across the timeline when you have an opportunity to. I really do. I don't get it. I wonder how much of that in this game was him trying to overthink um, not letting VCU have the game at their pace. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But there were times where he was just kind of standing there with the ball and it was like, Yuri, buddy, we got to get this over the timeline. Um, he does and, that. I, I say yeah. that <laughs> there are so many times I say that I say, yeah. I, 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 Yuri, that, that's, <laughs> that is a, that is a consistent phrase that everybody who sits around me will know. Yeah. Well, I, I love his confidence, but at the same time, it's like, don't be, uh, don't be Casey at the bat here. Don't dig yourself too big a hole, you know, like just, just go, just go get it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, I love that we beat VCU, man. Uh, and yeah. all time bad take from that idiot on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, a, a, a VCU idiot on Twitter is uh, wow. I did not expect that. Yeah, I he uh, he said the VCU had their worst game, played their played their worst game of the year. Uh, yeah. When uh, I mean, and and Rammer, by the way, again, just from the top rope, uh, coming in and talking about, oh gosh, who was it on the, for them that Vince Williams twenty six points, yeah, worst game of the year right there. Uh, Ace Baldwin has twelve. I mean, they had a great game, and I thought SLU defended the three fairly well. Uh, some of it was just VCU really stunk it up from three, but I thought yeah. the Billikens defended really, really well. Uh, yeah, I, minus I allowing them to whatever they wanted in the paint the second half. 
Yeah, I don't want that to get lost. Our our defense, our half court defense in the first half was awesome. Yes, and and it was mostly pretty good in the second half. Most I say, you know, with caveats of, you know, I, I don't think we've been the best transition defense this year, and 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 a lot of that was, um, you know, turnovers leading to some offensive chances for VCU, and maybe not locking down the defensive glass quite like we should have at times in the second half as well. But overall, um, this was a really good defensive effort. Absolutely. Um, Speaking, uh, fighting through VCU's moving screens, man. We they Billikens deserve a lot of credit for that in general. Uh, I, I apologize to everyone in 108 for the first 10 minutes of the game yesterday uh, because I was incensed by the amount of hip checking VCU was doing on screens. Uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's worse than Obi Toppin. It really is. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. I, I mean, they they. They learn. They they apparently played a little hockey in the off season. Uh, old school '90s hockey, you know. Um, yeah. You know, was... no no one. I've never heard anyone advocate advocate for moving screen calls like you do. Whether I it's, hate uh... it. Plant your mother effing feet. Plant your feet and set the screen like a man, or or a woman. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just like, don't don't don't. That's the like who was on. I saw a Twitter account that was like, there a tweet from somebody talking about the NBA and how stupid it was that they just like the rule book has been thrown out the window, in a lot of cases in basketball. It's weird. Like the the base rules of the game have kind of been you know you see a lot more steps allowed especially in the NBA. But that's been that's been you know almost my entire life that's been an issue. Um, But there's a lot of stuff that is just like. It's like, what do we, we have, a, there's a game, there are rules. This isn't Vietnam. I, there are, there are rules in the rule book. Uh, I, I've talked about charges before that I would not mind being ignored the way certain things are. Um, but I, I my, the question for me is it's always like, does this make the game better or not? Like letting a guy set a moving screen to me does not seem like something that would, that, that, Oh yeah, we just kind of let guys do this now because the game flows better. Like, yeah, maybe you're eliminating a few whistles, but early on, if you let a guy know, like if your feet are moving or if your hips are moving when you're setting a screen at the top of the key, we're just not going to let that go tonight. They get the message early, you move on without that. Yeah. I think I I don't see the downside of of giving that one up. Um, I, I you know I don't know. Yeah, I agree. No, I I agree. I just think it's I think it's again. I am a I'm. It, uh, Funny enough, I'm a player safety advocate. That's why I say that uh, second person to a loose ball, if you make any contact, if you dive in on a guy all the way on the ground, all the, already on the ground, that's a foul on you. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if you get the ball. You're the second man in. You dive on somebody already on the floor. That's not a jump ball. You're not getting that jump ball. You're late. You, yeah. didn't, do the, you didn't do the work. Uh, same way I feel about moving screens. Player right. safety issue. You start hip checking people. That's when you get knee on knee contact. That's when you get. No, I'm not saying Justin Love moving moving screen, but <laughs> it, it, that's the kind of stuff that leads to injuries like Kenyon Martin. Yeah. You you can't you can't have that. You can't. It, you know that hurts, man. Get it taking a knee to the to the to the calf or the the you know knee on knee. Boy, that's that's brutal. Yeah, um, then it's four on five. Uh, senior night ceremony was, was really awesome. 
Um, I love that they give the 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 uh, the managers so much time. Like they didn't even know they were gonna be able to talk. Uh, I didn't like get on to the talk. Microphone. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I mean, no one wanted to hear me talk in 2005. Well, but. No, but it, apparently in 2021 and or 2020 and 20 uh, 20 the last year uh, and change, people love to hear you talk. I would love to talk to you. We, we're going to have to do this, by the way. We're going to have to have some managers, uh, yes. later generation managers on the show. Uh, those guys don't know how good they have it compared to how we had it back. I, I would love, I think we just need to get, I, I just want, we need to have an episode where you bring on your whole crew from back in the day. Yeah, that, that, that'd be fun. And I'll just sit back and kind of like, <laughs> like throw, pop in a dumb question here and there and you guys can just chat. Uh, that would be just a ton of, fun. yeah, we'll do that. And then when we'll have a couple of guys from later to, yes. um, you know, from, uh, from more recent years, because, uh, they seem to have a pretty cushy job now that I, I find myself jealous of all the time. Did you guys uh, match polos back in the day? We did. Yeah, 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 yeah. we did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but, like... but yeah, back to, back to senior day. Tell us yes. about that. How this, no, it was awesome. Um, you know, Perkins, Perkins, by the way, just, uh, I mean, just a wonderful dude. Like he's like, he took the time to have, he didn't talk much, which I'm sure Billiken fans will read into uh, awesome chant. No, he, he never does. He's no. a low key guy. No. Awesome chant from the fans uh, and the players were, were egging it on to one more year chance. Uh, players were just, were doing their best to egg it on, which was awesome to see. I thought uh, I saw Thatch get into that. Yes. Uh, more than anybody, maybe um and then i mean that's his that's his that's his you know that's his buddy from st louis man mm -hmm. you know so i get that um yeah no he uh he took the time to have everybody wish happy birthday to his niece which was really cute um so god bless him for that uh i will say look i give guy phillips a lot of shit a lot of shit and while he stumbled over a lot of things you know in the pregame and the postgame uh, the by far the best I, I thought the the best thing he's ever done as Billiken announcer was just over and over say we know that or, you know we wish Javante a speedy recovery and we know that he will come back better than ever and he just said <laughs> come back and kept emphasizing come back better than yeah ever. yeah just awesome funny hilarious like I find him to be the least funny person ever um <laughs> But that truly made me laugh and made me smile. And I thought that was just, that was perfect for the moment. Uh, whereas his, his uh, play-by-play -play of the, the kids' games at halftime, uh, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, he did a really great job, I thought, especially at the Perkins moment. Um, uh, Travis Ford was awesome. Uh, again, that dude can make me run through a brick wall just by reading the phone book. Uh, he'd make it interesting. Um he, you know, we talked a lot about Martin Linson and how, uh, what really, you know, attracted him to, to bringing Martin Linson in was Marty did his research about SLU, about academics at SLU. He, he expressed that it was a good place for him to continue his education, uh, here at SLU and not just his athletic career. Um, and I thought that spoke a lot about Travis Ford and a lot about Martin. Um, you know, he, he brought it, brought out the coaches too, as well. Um, uh, and, and thank them for get, helping get him through uh, a very uh, uh, tough year, as we all know. Um, and uh, I thought it was a it was a wonderful wonderful uh, tribute to not only the seniors but Fort Stewart um, and, and you know the managers. 
Um, I got to see, you know, um, just on a on another note, seniors. Uh, they brought it was alumni night too for the for the cheer squad. So I got to see uh, one of my good friends, Taylor Nixon from college. She she uh, she was there. So great to see her uh, and her husband and her beautiful kids. Awesome. Um, but it, it was good to see all the alumni and the, the cheerleading alumni got to, you know, do the big flag at the beginning for the anthem and then perform during the game. So good for them uh, and happy to see people that, you know, reaching out to alumni is incredibly important. You know, I find it so annoying when, you know, people leave SLU and then they never interact with the athletics again. You know, they never go back to basketball games. That's that's brutal. I think it's it's a large part of why we don't fill arenas. Um, Phil, Phil Schaefitz on a, on a consistent basis. Um, but I, I do want to uh, rant one more time, one time before we move on uh, to the A-10 championship. Uh I got to rant about the 1818 bar and the Billiken club because this is nonsense. This is absolutely ridiculous. I watched, there's no reason to have the food on the same side. So if you, if you look at the 1818 bar, there's a side without the bar and there's, there's a, there's a side without with the bar. And then there's a side with tables and you can sit down and eat before the game. Billiken club has the side with the bar with a, a spread of appetizers. This is ridiculous. Nobody but Billiken Club members is allowed to go into that area. And that means nobody can go up to that bar and spend money at that bar unless you're a Billiken Club member. I watched two guys ready to spend at least $8 on a beer. That's the minimum cost of a beer. Ready to go into that bar and stand there and drink a beer. And they were told it was not open to the public. You have something on the concourse that is not open to the public? That's asinine. That's ridiculous. All you have to do is move the food over to the other side. All you have to do. That's it. That's it. Let the bill, bring some tables over for the bill. If they want to sit over on by the bar side. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Put it, put it over there with all the tables. That's great. It's, it's an awkward setup because even though it's for the Billiken club, it intuitively just looking at it as a fan, you would not think that it's not like an airport lounge with like a door that says like club access only or something like that. It's right. It's kind of open. It's, it's um, uh, I, I agree with you in that. Why would anyone walk up to that and think, Oh, this is for club members only. It and it's doesn't... a bad look. It's a bad look when you turn people away from yeah. wanting to spend money and it's a beautiful area. It's a great place for people to go. And that's what I'm ta- like. That's what I talk about. Like why we have trouble filling the arena. We focus so much on the big money donors and that's great. They do a lot of things for this university and this athletic department, the big money people are awesome. But you know, Lorenzini's is great because it's hidden. Nobody like, the, the normal people, normal people, I, the, you know, like me, like if I was going to a game, I wouldn't know Lorenzini's existed. That's mm-hmm. fine. That's good. I don't, it's good to not let them know that it exists because <laughs> it's, you're not, you're not showing, Hey, Oh, look at this exclusive area. You can't go into mm-hmm. like, you don't want people to know that they're missing out on something. You can't, that's like, we, we don't focus on bringing in new people and the average fan. It's that the experience is so not, so not catered to the average fan. Even the t-shirt toss. Thank God they have the t-shirt cannon. Otherwise, the cheerleaders would give the the t-shirts and the and the little souvenir balls to the same kids every every week. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> like stop just throwing into the first five rows. 
Like get the people that, you know, you know, are just off off chance deciding to spend their money to come to a game once. Maybe they come again if they have they get a t shirt, they get a ball. That's a great experience for a kid. You know, it it make it spe I don't know. Uh that's my rant. I'm done. Um <laughs> let's who, who let's go to the bracket. Who's yes, uh, you're you're not gonna get an argument from me. No, I, yeah, I, I no, agree, I just I needed agree to, with all of that. I just needed uh, to go off for a minute. Yeah, no, I it feels good. Uh, because it, it it sends me into a, a rage. It really does. Like I <laughs> my 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 face gets red. You are, if nothing else, the voice of the fan, the voice of the St. Louis Billikens. I try to be. I really and I really don't like to like think I am because I still think that I'm just kind of a a nutcase and a chucklehead and that's all true too but, but, that, but i mean that I wanna, that's what makes you the voice of the fan and not the voice of the you know the billiken club or the i love rollers. not being like i've always loved being just average like i love like i don't want to be i don't want to be the guy who sits courts i really don't it doesn't like god bless troy robertson god bless chaffetz ross and rich like uh, God bless them, but I I don't like I like I like being with the people. Like, I'm a man, like I like sitting fifth row in the student section. I didn't like being in front. I thought it felt uninclusive. I don't know, um, but everybody should be like I like I love the Billiken clap. I think it's cheesy as hell. I think the St. Louis chant is cheesy as hell, but it's it's great because it gets everybody involved. So I'm happy for that. Like that's great. They're making an effort. I love that kind of effort. Um, but it, it's just it, when when you don't when you when you're not catering to bringing in new fans, you 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 always want to get more business. More business is good, not just uh, get the same business over and over. It's like a it's like a like a hole in the wall bar that all they have is regulars. They never make money. Like yeah, yeah I mean you can't like they they always they just kind of they they just kind of are and never grow. Um, let's go to the bracket, guys. Yeah, who's uh, in the pillow fight this year? Who's in the pillow fight? It's not the the Wednesday night pillow fight. It really, uh, the you know, it's the Wednesday pillow fray, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it really makes me sad because I was gonna hang out and watch that. Like I was gonna make a night of it. Um, it's LaSalle first game, uh, one p.m. Eastern time. So I, you know what? I'm gonna translate all these to Central time. Uh, noon on Wednesday, game one. Uh, and this will be the feeder into the Billiken game. Uh, LaSalle and St. Joe's, uh, two teams that the Billikens uh, have both handled easily this year. Um, and then at 2.30 Central Time, Rhode Island will take on the the ultimate pillow fighter, uh, Duquesne Dukes. Uh, and both these games are going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Who do you like? What do you like in these games? I... I I want to know your your guess, and then I'll, uh, I'll I'll give mine. Yeah, having seen both of these, uh, I mean, all of these teams except Duquesne recently, um, I, I got to go with Rhode Island over Duquesne. Um, like I said, they're directionless and aimless, but um, the they're talent, not bad. the talent is there. Yeah, and then um, St. Joe's over LaSalle. LaSalle uh, has three players I really like, and and no one else at all that I like. St. Joe's at least goes a couple guys deeper than that. They've got, you know, a good point guard. They've got a couple good wings. They shoot a lot of threes. Um, that's the kind of team, like, I, I just looking at the two of them, I'd rather have LaSalle win because Slew gets the winner. I'll put it that way. Yeah. How about um, you? I like, I, I, by the way, shout out, uh, shout out the Martelli Mafia. Um, <laughs> St. Joe's, just, uh, what, what a dumpster fire that is. 
Um, I think I think it's it's uh, St. Joe's and, and Rhode Island. Um, yeah. I just don't see LaSalle. I mean, sorry, Gola boys. I just don't see them pulling it out. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm happy with either on that one, LaSalle or St. Joe's. I really don't care. Um, but, uh, who would you prefer to play? LaSalle. LaSalle. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather play LaSalle. They are technically the higher seed, mm-hmm. uh, but I still think they're the weaker opponent. Who would, okay. So, uh, obviously let's, we'll run down the seedings. Uh, and then we'll talk about who maybe has the biggest draw or the best draw, who has the worst draw. And uh, who could surprise? Uh, number one seed goes to Davidson. Um, two seed Dayton. Ugh. Uh, three seed VCU. Four seed St. Bonaventure. Uh, five seed is the your St. Louis University Billikens. Six seed goes to the Richmond Spiders. Seven seed George Washington. Eight seed Fordham. God bless Fordham. Kyle Neptune for Coach of the Year. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm on. I'm a, you know I'm a Neptune fan at this point. Um, George Mason, number nine, uh, number 10, UMass. And as we mentioned, Rhode Island, 11, LaSalle, 12, St. Joe's 13 and Duquesne 14. Uh, who do you think benefited the most and has the best draw to the final? Um, it might be an obvious answer, but I kind of like Davidson's draw here. Um, being the one seed, obviously they're going to get an eight or a nine Fordham or Mason in, in the, uh, you know, in their first game, which is, uh, I guess you'd call it a quarterfinal game. Um, and then they'd have either Bonaventure or us in the semifinals. And, uh, you know, Bonaventure has been a little dinged up and they only, you know, as we know, they like that starting five, they like to ride with them and they've all, they, all of a sudden they've gotten, uh, some dings lately. They, they are hot. Um, they've played really well until I think the last game that they lost, but, um, uh, I, I kind of feel like they might be a little vulnerable. Maybe they've just kind of had a hiccup before the, you know, the late surge here, but I think, I think their wear and tear is hitting them. And then SLU, as much as I, I love SLU and, and would love another shot at Davidson. Um, Davidson does a lot of things that give us issues and they obviously mm-hmm. smacked us pretty hard last time we saw them. So that, that, you know, that's all the way to the finals before Davidson has maybe somebody they don't match up as well against. So um, I, I, I like their draw in this tournament, but again, they're the one seed. So maybe that's a little too easy. Yeah. I actually think that, that, uh, that Fordham, I think Fordham or Mason are going to actually give Davidson trouble. I think Davidson having the double buy and sitting, I think that's going to be an issue for them. Um, I, I think Davidson will come out winner. I think it's going to be a lot closer and I think it's going to be a bit of a squeaker, uh, just because it, it always seems that way for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I think Dayton has a decent buy or a decent draw. Um, but I, again, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I agree. I think actually you're right in that. I think George Washington UMass is the seven ten. Yeah. is a little bit easier draw than that eight, nine, but I, but I kind of look at the higher seeds, you know, when answering sure. the whole question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who do you think could, uh, could go on and, and steal a bid that's not in the top four? I mean, well, let's say, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I, I really don't see anybody outside or, you know, I don't see Richmond doing it. Uh, obviously mm. St. Louis, uh, we have a history of, of doing well in the tournament. I think uh, Travis Ford is a great motivator and uh, he's kind of built for tournaments uh, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't see anybody outside the top five making a run at this. 
if if I were to pick one, I probably would go with Richmond actually. Um, and I and I I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of look it up on the fly, but Richmond VCU in the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, assuming Richmond wins their first game, is actually kind of pretty intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it's a crosstown rivalry, so there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of history there. So I, I, I just think those are, are teams where that would be, look, I'm not a better, but that would be a hard one to, uh, to kind of handicap, I think. Um, Richmond did lose to VCU twice this season. One of those was a two-point game. Um, I just think that third game against them could be kind of a dangerous one. Uh, so when I look at the whole bracket, I kind of wonder like, hey, you know, if Richmond were to slide by VCU in their last matchup against them, uh, you never know against a young team like Dayton in the semifinals, um, you know, and then you've just got one more to win from there. So I, 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 I would probably go with Richmond if I had to pick one. Yeah, I like that. That, 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 that makes so. sense. I definitely think Richmond, uh, you know, Richmond seemed to, to play Dayton really tough yeah. uh, and Dayton barely squeaked out that win. Uh, I, I kind of like Slew's draw and that, that, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times. And I don't think Bonaventure is the type of team that, that really mm. can win three games against a team in a season. I mean, you look back at the, you know, the, what was it? 20, the year we won the A-10 championship, we'd be VCU three times, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you don't, that, that's a team that can beat a team three times, you know, that high power defense or, you know high the very efficient defense the you know the smart team i, I just don't think bonaventure has it to to beat slew a third time uh so i'm expecting us to play in the semifinal against davidson and uh it'll be interesting to see what adjustments the billiken billikens would make it, it would be in both of those games because bonaventure really looked like they had our number in both of those games like they looked like they had us really well scouted we played right into their hands in both games against them uh, they were very frustrating games to watch. So uh, adjustments is really the key word because both of those But we do games, have a lot of film to look at. <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage of film experience, whatever. But both of those games uh, Bonav- against Bonaventure and then also the Davidson game, I mean, you're talking about three games where we looked really bad. Uh, so even though you look on paper and maybe this, this path doesn't scare you, um, it would take a pretty serious reversal two times in a row. Um, you know, for, for us to get there, but I, I don't know. I think it's a pretty open tournament. I think, uh, you know, I, I look one to one to six or so and think all of those teams could reasonably win this thing. And then, um, if I'm looking outside of the top six, it's somebody who could kind of go on a run. I wonder if Mason gets by, uh, Fordham and then, um, maybe, maybe a couple of Mason's guys Oduro um, as one of my, maybe my conference player of the year pick, uh, maybe he just really starts, to, uh, you know, hitting his full potential in this. And, and uh, that that's a team that could be a little scary, I think, too. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. That's a, that's a that's a solid point. Uh, speaking of Mason, let's let's uh, run over to the women's side of things. Um, just it's over. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the long nightmare for the women's yeah. basketball team is over. Uh, they dropped their first round game, sixty five fifty to George Mason, in the A ten women's pillow fight. Um, poor shooting in this one really sunk the Billikens. Uh, under thirty percent from three. I think they shot under fit under forty percent from the field. 
Julia Martinez did have a big game, though, with 16 points, but really uh, was the only true bright spot in this one. Yeah, not a whole lot to be said. Um, you know, this this was, uh, I guess it was the f- second game of the women's uh, tournament. And, it, you know, I had some some meetings at work and stuff and couldn't really uh, dig into it as much as I'd like to have. But uh, but it, it's pretty clear, um, you know, that, that, that they just kind of ran out of gas. This this game was tied at halftime. It was a low scoring first half. I think it was just, uh, uh, what, 26-26 at halftime. Yeah. Um, but then Mason really turned it on in the second half and ran away with this thing. Um, so I, I, you know, look, I, this was a horrible season for, for SLU in terms of uh, luck and injuries. Everything went about as badly as, as you could imagine, you know? Um, so I really feel for this team that kind of looked at the conference this year and thought they had a shot to really compete for a top three or four spot and, and really challenge for the tournament and, and, you know, have a shot to make their first tournament ever. Um, so it kind of breaks my heart that they had to deal with all those injuries um, and that there are players like MST didn't get to play this season and other players whose seasons were cut short. I give this team a lot of credit for just not quitting because they could have lost out down the stretch in conference and they didn't. They won several games and uh, they did that with six or seven or eight players. And so um, really credit to the heart of this team. They, they do graduate, speaking of senior nights, uh, Kaija Harbison and Miriama Smith-Traore, MST, as we affectionately call her here, will not be back next season, um, but everybody else will, and they've got some good talent coming in. So two, two really good players, big shoes to fill. Um, but yeah, you're right. The nightmare season is over and uh, onward and upward for them. Absolutely. Uh, on the men's soccer side, a little bit of update for you. Uh, 3-1 win versus Ohio State. This was played in Indianapolis. I believe it was played at that facility that they played uh, a couple games at during the 2020 spring season. Uh, John Klein got a goal. Eric Leggett got two goals in this one. Uh, They will take on St. Louis City Next Pro uh, Friday 6.30 at Herman Stadium. Uh, I I believe it's probably free to go see. Um, so I may make a, make a run out there. Who knows? Uh, we'll see how my Friday goes. Um, uh, a great article in the post dispatch from Stu Durando, uh, regarding, uh, Billiken alumni, Alex Sterenberg. Uh, he is of Ukrainian descent or is Ukrainian. Uh, I don't know if he's a Ukrainian citizen. Um, but his father is still over there in Ukraine right now. Um, I believe near Kiev uh, or Kiev. I, I never know how to pronounce it. So um, yeah. So go check that out. Uh, the, you know, uh, there's, you, the, we texted back and forth about a lot of people, a lot of Billikens that had played over in Russia, played over in Ukraine. Uh, you know, you talked about, we talked about Justin Love already in this episode. Justin Love played over in Ukraine, right? Famously. I mean, that's a, uh... There's a, an all-time great video. It's about a four or five-minute clip of of Justin Love um, playing in Odessa in Ukraine, and uh, this I mean it's got everything. I mean it culminates in just well that it really isn't even the end of the video because it's hilarious. After that, um, Love hits a hits a long three to win the game, and it erupts in pandemonium. But even if, even before that, you've got 
cheerleaders wearing, you know, outfits that would never pass muster over here in the States. You've got a crazy looking shark mascot that appeared to be interfering with the basket while an opponent was shooting free throws. After Love hits the shot, you've got a, a fat guy running out on the floor with no shirt on, slapping his shirt against the floor. It's it go it, it it's one of the all time great videos, um, and and yeah, it it really like we were kind of texting back and forth. Like you have have these realizations over time. Like oh my god, yeah, we've had players over there, and he spoke really highly of his time in 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 Ukraine. And uh, um, I think actually. Um, George Washington has a recent graduate who's playing over there right now who was stranded over there. So, uh, and then we had uh, Fordham has a, a Ukrainian on the roster, right? Um, yeah, and, and look, I mean, there's a long history of war of players that have been over here, uh, war torn refugees. You know, Robbie Cristo, you know, is pretty uh, well known to be a Croatian uh, a Croatian immigrant uh, refugee. Um, you know, you had Sadiq Muhammad, a refugee from, uh, gosh, I, I help me out. Uh, what country? I'll have to look it up, but yeah, don't forget, I forget. don't it's forget about Vidad. Vidad. Yes. Uh, Bosnian, yeah. uh, refugee you have, um, I mean, gosh, I'm, I mean, Isaac Ohanen. I mean, that's a country that's been, you know, in the middle of a war since I've been born uh isaac my entire life. isaac would tell you about uh yeah i'm trying to think of what he, uh he would say about his military service whether anyway yeah israel has compulsory everyone has to serve a certain amount of time in the military over there but uh so yeah he's he's always he always had interesting stories as well but yeah it's a good article to um to kind of put things in perspective and realize like uh Definitely. just how how many impacts globally that something like this has so um you know obviously all the best to him and his family uh on a positive note austin fc uh beats uh i believe miami uh inter miami yeah. today i actually saw it on espn plus right after it ended which really bummed me out uh so i missed the actual game i'm pulling up the uh the uh the box score right now, hopefully. Um, it looks like, I'm sorry, guys, this is terrible. Uh, it does not, yeah, Kip Keller did play in this one. He did start uh, at uh, left center back. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they, they drubbed Inter-Miami. So, uh, well done to, it was, uh, he didn't score in this one, but Druissi had two goals for Austin Cascante scored, Finley scored two goals as well. So, hey, um, you know, Kip Keller continuing, um, you know, to, to play well for, for Austin FC has only given up one goal in two games. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's right. I mean, they're, they're really killing it so far and um, nothing but uh, positive reviews. You know, it's, it's really hard in the early going to assert yourself as a center back, you know, like it's, it's when you're putting up five nil wins, like they did against Cincinnati and a five, one win here, everybody's going to be talking about the goal scorers, but um, you know, there's a little piece in the Austin American Statesman today talking about their weaknesses are hard to find right now, talking about how solid he's been um, at center back. So um so yeah, that's it's just great to see. I, I guess uh, Julio Cascante would be the other center back that he's alongside, and people just have talked about them being rock solid. 
So that it's just awesome to see Keller who kind of, you know, I don't think anyone realized him to be as hyped as he was going into the draft and then going so high and now really fulfilling his potential right away. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I, yeah, Isaiah Parker, uh, did not, uh, play for, um, for Dallas. He didn't make the, uh, the rot, the bench either. So, uh, interesting to see, uh, what, what goes on with Isaiah going forward, but hopefully he finds a, a bigger role with, uh, FC Dallas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but he's um, he's young. He's young and so talented. He'll get there. Sorry, I'm trying to find stats for Robbie Cristo too. Now that we mention, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm trying to find it. Uh, he's playing uh, for the St. Louis Ambush indoor uh, soccer. Uh, he he's playing really well. They they lost today to uh, the best team in the league, uh, that being uh, the Florida Tropics. Um, but I'm, I'm pulling up his stats now. My computer is running a little slow. Sorry, guys. He has he's played 17 games, 16 goals, seven assists, 23 points on 53 shots. Um, he, he's playing really well. He's, he's scored quite a bit. Uh, two game winning goals. Uh, you know, he he hasn't registered a hat trick yet, but it looks like in his last four game, five games, he scored at least two goals. Uh, so he, he's really putting up numbers now. Uh, for an ambush team that's kind of trying to find themselves, uh, not they had a, a bit of a uh, skid, and uh, he he's doing well in indoor. So I think he's happy to be home and and uh, happy to play on a team and you know just you know play soccer and have fun. So uh, happy for him. Uh, moving on to baseball, uh, they had a four game set with the Northern Colorado Bears. Uh, they played three seven inning games and one nine inning game. And by the way, I think I te- uh, tweeted out or did I text you this that I think college base? Oh, we talked about it on the last podcast. Yeah, I think right. college baseball should play seven inning. I just think with the, how bad the bullpens are, uh, like you could, you know, I'm sure it's a different experience down in the south, uh, but I think up north it's it's just it makes more sense with the cold and the bad, you know. Anyway. Uh, baseball is now four and six after going three for four on the weekend. Uh, they lost Friday five two. uh, Colton hut got the losing decision for the Billikens in that one. Um, second game was a seven inning eight, seven win. That was Saturday during the day. A lot of people out did the double header between the Billiken basketball game and baseball game. Uh, Kusumano was out at that game to watch his son. His son's on the team actually. Yeah. Um, they uh, Logan Schmidt got the win in that one. Cameron Ferrer got the save in that one. Uh, Pete, tell them about uh, the evening game Saturday and then the Sunday game. Yeah, so evening uh, Saturday, Scott Youngbrand gets the win in a seven-one uh, seven-inning win over. Uh, it, was, it was I love seeing this all weekend. By the way, UNC uh, yes. Northern Colorado it was kind of like, oh wow, Sluice smoking UNC in baseball, and then he, oh wait a minute, yeah, Northern yeah. Colorado. And then, uh, and then Sunday, 13, nothing, uh, seven inning win. And, uh, Trevor Harris gets the win in that one. Yeah. I think those Sunday games really display like the late weekend games. You can tell who really has the better depth, uh, especially on the pitching end of things, mm-hmm. because, you know, you look at the beginning of the week and the Billikens give up five, 
UNC probably has the better ace on the staff, but you get to the end of the week and now you're running in, you know, uh, Northern Colorado is running into their, the, you know, the deeper parts of their, uh, their pitching staff and pitching staffs in college stink, man, besides the top, like three guys, like they're, it's, they're young and, and not, there's no experience and they are bad. Um, so that's why you get these games. Like we talked about where you'll go. That's why it's interesting to play seven innings because you get into this seventh, eighth and ninth, and you're looking at like, there's 30 runs are scored just in those three innings after being a one, one game up until the sixth. And you're like, I don't get it. Um, right. Coming up for the Billikens, they have four, they're on a four game homestand, I believe. Uh, Western Illinois, 3 p.m. on Tuesday. I, that drives me nuts that like these games are at 3 p.m. But I get why. I get why. I'm not mad at anybody. It just stinks. Uh, Purdue Fort Wayne comes to town for a three game weekend series. It'll be interesting to see how that gets played. I know some colder temperatures are trying to come back into the St. Louis area. Uh, 3 p.m. Friday, 2 p.m. Saturday, and 12 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, softball. Uh, tough weekend as they continue to slide. Uh, they are now three and eleven on the year, Peter. They are, yeah. They had a um, kind of a rough go of it uh, down at um, what would they call this, the Ole Miss Classic in Oxford, Mississippi. Obviously, uh, Ole Miss is a you know the SEC is tough when it comes to these sports, uh, you know, baseball, softball, and then uh, you know they're playing a few Southern teams here, so. I know it was a it was a tough uh, tough slate, but they came out of it without a win, unfortunately. Um, so it wound up being a long weekend for them down in Oxford. Yeah, just just a really really unfortunate weekend uh, for them. Upcoming, they have Northern Kentucky University on the eighth. Uh, by the way, I hate the month of March when I'm trying to type things into Google Docs because it it shortens everything. Like I tried three eight, and it shortened it or it made it really small, like it was a fraction. Uh, <laughs> everything's three fourths or, yes uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, northern kentucky on the 8th 2 p.m and then fordham on the 12th and 13th come to town they start a 10 play which is weird because then they go like two weeks without uh playing another a 10 game yeah um pete any anything that you saw this week that we need to talk about before we let our listeners go um, very quickly, just a um, men's tennis lost at Purdue. Women's tennis won against Eastern Illinois. Uh, what I really wanted to draw people's attention to um, are, the, are the signed men's basketball players who are still playing. Um, Kellen Thames, his team lost in the district semifinals, Class Six, District Three, Missouri State High School semifinals. Um, they lost to Francis Howell, uh, so their season is over. Finished seventeen and eleven. And um, uh, Nick Kramer and Slew High won District 1 in Class 6. So they're still going. And they will play CBC for a third time this season uh, on, on Saturday out at Lindenwood. Um, so if you can go check them out, you know, um, um, every, every game could be the last one for them this year. But it is the quarterfinals um, for Missouri. And, um, and then our, our JUCO signee, uh, Sincere Parker, led Moberly area community college um to a district championship which means they get an automatic bid to the um the juco division one national tournament national championship in hutchinson kansas which starts on march 14th and wraps up on the 19th that's that's actually a really good event 
And uh, so they've got an auto bid to that. And that's a big deal. And he was the, the region 16 player of the year. So he's a, he's a big reason, the main reason for their success this year. So um, I, I doubt, I doubt we have any listen, listeners out in Hutchinson, but I think those games are all streamed. So uh, try and catch these guys playing if you can, um, you know, we're really excited about all three of them. Uh, I, that wraps up the week that was in Billiken Athletics. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Midtown Mad Pod, at Peter is a tweeter, at Zach Miller MMP. Uh, we also appreciate any and all suggestions you might have for the show. Uh, also, thank you to anyone who just randomly comes up to me and says, hey, great podcast. Even if you just say that and keep walking and I never see your face, that, I mean, I, I die. I like, I, I get a little like teary eyed and, you know. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, please go subscribe to the show on all platforms if you haven't yet. Uh, check us out on YouTube. It really is nice. Uh, it's fun. I like I like uh, that, you know, you get to, you know, watch us. I mean, if you're, if you, you know, while you're working or whatever, throw it on your TV. Every all, Everybody has the YouTube app out there. Uh, if you haven't left us a review anywhere, uh, go ahead and drop us five stars and, and, and leave us a review. Uh, as always, Pete, uh, go Bills, man. Go Bills. We'll